La da 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 da. Smoke dingers every day. You are locked on Guardians. Your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. Over there is Justin. I am Jeff. I want to thank you for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever it is you get podcasts. I also want to say we have your team covered every day. Uh, without much more ado, let's just dive into a weekend of uh, apparently the Guardians can only win a series on a weekend. That's that's a big takeaway. I'm just going to close it up. Go, go, Guardians, go. Uh, the Guardians don't mind working there. on the weekend, apparently. Mm. That's fine. That's but, good for all of us. There was it everybody's working, working they're for working the for the weekend they're they're working on yes. the weekend instead of that's right we work yeah. for the weekend they work on the weekend that's yep that's good no it was it was a good weekend we're going to talk about some how confident we're feeling about things that jeff they won two i know it wasn't pretty and it took some magic it took a little smoke and mirrors um but they won two or three series on this homestand they went five and four i know it's not fantastic but you know if you're looking at baby steps maybe that is the way to go and they hit some home runs i mean geez they have 23 home runs now and they had four of them this weekend and look they won two games apparently jeff hitting home runs is good i know people keep trying to say that you know a home run hitting home runs isn't everything well it might be about home runs you're talking about a uh, a sweep at the hands of the angels yeah i mean the home runs carried them in this one and you know, the offense still really wasn't there. Let's be honest. I know there was the big glow up on Saturday, but it was still a lot of. Uh, it was dependent on the home run. I mean, you, you see hey, more they, than Sunday than any other day, where it's you know, Bybee is brilliant, and then yeah. they they get kind of lucky, honestly, that 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 game was tied at that point, and then they get extra lucky that the Angels' manager apparently doesn't pay attention to baseball and decided. Hey, let's bring in a right hand. I I understand the basic logic of bringing in your best reliever, but man, you got to know platoon splits. You just you you can't walk yeah. into that one. Yeah, I mean Naylor was good. It was a good weekend from him. He finally, I mean, he carried them all weekend. He hit a home run off a lefty, and that's probably going to buy him a lot more time. But let's you know, let's not be too pessimistic about that right now. Like you know, let's see where this goes. He has been getting unlucky for some time now. Um. The numbers had suggested he was going to be better. And I don't even know if, if X stats really tells you like, Hey, this guy's going to turn it around. It really tells you what happened. I don't know if it's a great predictor of future success. I'd like for somebody to do like a piece and say like, Oh, when these guys, when guys have X stats that suggest that they should be playing or performing better, getting better results at some point they do because our X stats predictive. I don't know. They're certainly a good at telling the story of what happened and, what could have happened, like someone got unlucky, but I don't know if they necessarily tell you. I mean, by their nature, they should be around. somewhat predictive because of that. Like it should be predictive because it's saying like the expectation is, which is similar to like FIP and the other predictive stats. So by the yeah. nature of what they are, they should be. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, but also like if you're talking about like predictive stats, like XFIP for those who, who maybe don't follow the stat, like expected fielding, independent pitching, fielding, independent pitching reduces all the results for pitching down to home run strikeouts well, and walks, which is what pitchers can control and nothing more. But when you talk about XFIP, which is expected FIP fielding independent pitching, 
that normalizes home run rate, which yes. isn't, which you can't really always predict that no. I would say. Yes. And that's, that's the a problem. whole different topic. Yeah, and, we're, and, we're digressing. And, well, I mean, and just for those who know, FIP is also predictive. So it's like, even though it's not, doesn't say expected, it is still expected. It's just the only difference is that normalized home run rate, which in my opinion makes XFIP trash. So throw it away. Hot take <laughs> yeah. there. I, I I never look at XFIP for that reason, because yeah. pitchers don't have the same home run rates. We know that as Guardians fans, but, right. uh, but how about, how about what Josh Naylor did the weekend though? If you're looking, if you're watching on YouTube, Sarah Langs, greatmlb.com researcher, uh, Naylor has eight go-ahead home runs in the eighth inning or later since the start of 2021. Two more than anybody else in Major League Baseball in that span. And I believe that stack goes a little bit deeper, doesn't it? He had he was the first person, I think, to do it three games in a row in MLB history. That could be the case. The original thing I saw is that like no one had done it in three games in you know 60 plus years. But then again, that was someone who, when I saw that story, they um I felt like they had taken Sarah's tweet and then um not credited her so i don't really mm, know do i just I, you know i don't do that they didn't give any creditation to where they got the info from that just kind of mm. made me leery if i'm being honest um, yeah I, I need to see where you think you're getting wh- where your data is coming from because i don't think you right. did that research yourself how about the pitching matchup on sunday i would say obviously they don't win this game without Bybee pitching as well as he did he got its deepest start of his major league career um Facing old friend from high school, Patrick Sandoval. We talked about a little bit last week, though, but Tanner was a sophomore and Patrick was a senior and uh, played for the the Diablos. That was their team nickname. Um, that You know, fun to see two, two guys from the same high school and guys who have been friends with each other kind of go at it on the mound, and both of them pitched exceptionally well all day. But I would say this might have been Bybee. I know he had the good start against Colorado, but – you know, let's be honest, even though Colorado did take two of her from the Guardians, the Colorado Rockies are not a good franchise and they have a bad lineup. I think this is the best Bybee's look. I mean, he, he the fastball was good. The changeup was great. Didn't really rely on the slider a ton, but the Angels also had a lot of lefties in the lineup. I thought he was, I mean, he already retired the first 11 to start the game, I think. So, I mean, this was about as good as he's looked all year. He got, he got Shohei Otani twice. That was a heck of a performance. Yeah, I mean, not nothing he, earth shattering about that, but I don't no, think I, I think it's his best start so far. Yeah, and, and I'm sure there'll be the people out there who will take the negative approach on it, which is whoa, there's no trout. And and yes, that's true. But let's be honest, the only guy who was even able to remotely touch him was was a personal favorite of the show, or at least my person, Taylor Ward, um, mm. out there. But uh, you know, they left him in maybe a little bit too long. Uh yeah. and you know, Will Brennan, we'll talk, get into him at some point, but that so I thought for sure that when he made that dive that it was it was in listening to the game they thought it was foul as well but it hit it hit the line so brennan makes this dive um and then sit back and look at the expected data to see if he took a bad break or anything like that cradles the ball gets up and throws matt Thice at tice out at second base and that was a huge huge uh you know that was game changer because that probably instead of having a runner on first with two outs you have runners on first and second with one out and, you know, we can talk about the fact that 99 comes in and he gets the out. But Miles Straw's quote was he thought it was a home run. I think I think uh, 99 needs to send a thank you to whoever the wind god is in Greek mythology. I don't know. Is it Eros? It feels like it should be Eros. But like the wind, it was a Josh, Naylor, Josh Naylor hit it hard enough that the wind couldn't stop it. But it, uh, according to Miles Straw's quote, like he ran back, he expected it to be out and then it just died and just dropped straight down. So. 
somebody up there liked us. Let's put it that way. They wanted uh, they wanted angels the in the outfield, win, perhaps to huh? win the duel of the Diablos. Um, but hey, Bybee angels was. In- yeah. Uh, yeah. No, not to ro- roll over your, your statement, but I also want to say it was, I couldn't help but watch this game without thinking about all the people who told me that Bobby needs to be sent down after last week and he's done. So, you know, that was, that was in the back of my mind as well. I I don't think I saw those comments and I'm glad I didn't. Cause that's wild. Cause I mean, I, I'm not surprised at all, but I, you know, obviously love that he put that start in the rear view mirror pretty quickly, which I'm not surprised by. Cause you know, that's, that's just his mindset. Like he, he, I mean, he had probably the worst start of his, minor league career but the day that we start before he got called up anyway you know he had that, that was yeah. the game he had five walks and that was the game that a certain baseball fantasy baseball analyst was basing his entire um, evaluation of tanner bybee off of too so uh i guess people love our people love to be prisoners of the moment i'm not surprised he put that in the rearview mirror really quickly um yeah some angels in the outfield love the guardians speaking of who guardians we love or don't love i don't know um, Ahmed Rosario. I tweeted the other night. I said Rosario is like some kind of bird. Like he migrates south for the the winter, and then he doesn't come back until it's it's about May or June. Like takes the extra month, I guess. Like I said, you know, most of us in Cleveland would love to skip April because April is usually a, a terrible month in Cleveland anyway for a lot of things. But you know, it's usually not warm yet, and we still get like maybe a last blast of snow, or at the very worst, you get some allergies out of it. Like. But all of a sudden, last 15 games, Med Rosario, 279, 313. Last seven games, 407, 448, 630. Last 30 games, 370, 311, 402, which is, you know, pretty in line with what he's done the last couple of years. Like, it's just amazing that I know we've, we've done a lot of hand-wringing on this show over him and, and other places have too, and everybody is just kind of sick of the Med Wars. But, you know, two two straight games of three hits. He had a forward game against Detroit. Uh, batting 341, 383, 477 this month. And I don't know. It's like a, like I said, it's like a cocoon or what do you call that? A butterfly emerging from its cocoon, right? Every, yeah. every May with him. It's ridiculous. You just know that he's, I mean, it's what I talked about at the start. And yeah, I mean, people can talk about how I got, um, I, I was ready to send him down for Rokio and I'm, I still am, but like, I also period like this is what's going to happen. And then he's going to be red hot for June and July. He'll cool off into August. He'll have kind of a rough August and then a great September. Like just at the end of the year, he's going to be worth two war and he's going to be a hundred weighted runs created plus. And that's fine. That's, that's fine. fine. But you don't want to pay that. It's it's I don't know. Again, it's the same old conversation. I don't, I don't really yeah. know what we're what we're anybody's gaining out of a discussion to talk about that. Like, yes, we know what everybody knows what Matt Rosario is. He's proving it again. It's, it's literally more predictable than the Mayan calendar that he does this. Like, um, or yeah. I guess it is more predictable because the Mayan calendar was pretty wrong. So it's more predictable than it wasn't than wrong. It was just misinterpreted. Let's be honest. It's just yeah. People being dumb. Maybe we are on our own special brand of hell. I don't know. <laughs> um, this should have been a series sweep. I feel like, Yes. Friday was a very bizarre game. Um, the offense from catcher has been pretty awful. And we're going to see whatever its confidence meter is um, after we come back on the other side. And first, before we come back, we got to talk about our good friends at eBay Motors. 
or championship team. It's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors with the eBay Guaranteed Fit. You can be sure every part you need fits right. The first time around, just add your ride to the My Garage. Look for a green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game. When you shop on eBay Motors with over 122 million parts to choose from, We'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when all the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclude apply. And, and then remember to... Oh, I was just going to say, remember to check out uh, this week's upcoming series of games for the Cleveland Guardians uh, on Sirius XM Radio. No game tomorrow. And then it's the White Sox, I do believe, starting Tuesday, Eight, Wednesday, 10. and Thursday. 8 10 Tuesday night. Yeah. Tanner or not Tanner Pipe. Yeah, Tanner Pipe is going to starts around now. Shane Beaver, the other B, the other killer B in the rotation. Uh, do you want to talk about class A in general? Or do you want to talk about uh yeah. the last play of of or the of the ninth inning on Friday night, which kind of rolls into the thing with class A? So the thing I will say with class A is like <laughs> I'm gonna cough first because that's that's what I do right now on the show. Is is he at the class A of a year ago? No, no, he's definitely looking a lot closer to Joe Borowski than the other class A, but he's still walking a tightrope. And again, I will reiterate like everything I talked about with Ahmed, I was talking about this time a year ago with class A. It was not till about June that the switch turned on and I have people complaining. He doesn't miss enough bats for his stuff. Maybe he's not a closer. That's a bad extension. And I was getting those comments even into May. So let's see if he starts to warm up when the weather warms up. And then, you know, maybe I'm going to get accused of being a class A apologist here. But if Andres Jimenez will get into that play, if he doesn't misread that play, maybe it's not a blown save. And the hit Otani had today, yeah, he gave it back with his bad base running. But there aren't a lot of guys in baseball who can take that pitch where it is at that velocity and hit it hard enough to get a hit. Most guys, that's an easy out. Otani is just a, you know, he's a the unicorn of the unicorns. He is, you know, the best player in baseball right now for a reason. And he pulled a hit out of something that shouldn't be there. So I do want to say, yeah, there's reasons for concern. Is he the guy a year ago who was utterly unhittable? No, he's not. Um, Are there reasons to think he might get better? Yes. And were there also this weekend some, you know, he wasn't great, but maybe there were a few uh, extenuating circumstances there as well. My only thing is this, and, and, They've talked about this. They, I think someone, I forget who brought it up. Someone asked him about throwing the cutter high in the zone more because they thought he'd get more whiffs on it. And I'm just quickly looking at his uh, heat map on, on Savant. Um, and if you're looking at like the plots where he throws a lot of strikes, everything is, you know, middle, middle away right now with the cutter. And last year he was kind of all over the place in terms of the strike zone. He was, you know, in the middle a little bit, he was high, he was low and everything is just kind of middle away. And he, this year, and he has, he has stayed away from, um, I don't know, maybe he's too predictable with the cutter in, in terms of location. Like guys are just going too much to the cutter. He's going, I mean, we talked last year, a lot of people talked last year about him needing to go to the slider more. And he, he eventually did. And percentage wise this year, he is not throwing the slider as much as he did a year ago. So maybe, maybe that's part of it. The funny thing is this year with the cutter or last year, he's, he's pretty much the same in terms of whiff rate on the cutter. I don't know if he's just more predictable with where he's throwing it or the location has messed things up. I saw the pitch clock here has something to do with it, um, there, but there's nothing in, in anything he's doing. Like even 
people who worry about the velocity. He threw a hundred on set on Friday night. He was consistently a, the bat to Shohei Otani, where he was very careful to Shohei or somebody. It was another pitcher to uh, player at the plate too. He was throwing a hundred consistently. So the velocity has not been a concern for him. And I still argue that even though he's averaging ninety eight versus you know ninety nine a year ago or almost a hundred a year ago, that's not that big of a difference. And and expected stats, if we're if we're going to believe expected stats, they suggest that. He's just every bit as good as he was a year ago. And sometimes he gets unlucky because of the amount of contact he gives up due to that cutter. Instead of it being an out pitch, it's supposed to be a weak contact pitch. But, you know, he did give some hard hit balls to Trout this weekend. Um, I think he got a little bit unlucky due to the defense. But it's just it's just been very strange. And, I don't know, hopefully it's just a, I don't want to say a sequencing issue, but a, a location issue. I don't know. I, I think he'll figure it out. I'm, I'm really, I really don't have a lot of concerns. Like, the only thing that stunk on Friday is that that was a winnable game and they came back, they scored enough runs to win that game and they lost. And that's a painful game to lose when you have your all-star closer on the mound and you have a lead and you're struggling to score runs and put wins together and you lose that game. That was very frustrating, especially when they had a chance in the ninth inning. And what rolls into that is the play with Jimenez too, right? Like after the game, Tito said, you know, I think Jimenez made the right play. He just made a bad throw, which is true. He made a bad throw. And and it's easy to second guess this in hindsight, but you know you throw the ball to first, take the out because Phil Nevin nearly also blew this this game too because he didn't bring in Brett Phillips to pinch run until a couple of bat- bats in. And this is the other bugaboo with Class A too is that Phil Nevin eventually figured out. Oh, by the way, Emmanuel Class A doesn't hold runners on. <laughs> like, yeah. and the Guardians can't throw runners out at second base right now. No matter who's catching, they can't throw runners out, which we're going to talk about catching in a, in a little bit too. Um, so he brings in Brett Phillips and starts the runner. And guess what? That kills the double play that could have won the game for the Guardians. Um, so great, you know, eventually Phil Evan figured out what he was doing at some point. But, you know, he exploited their weakness. Class A doesn't hold runners on. So, like, when Class A doesn't let runners on, things are great. So I think we, I, maybe maybe the whole issue of him is this runner's getting on base. That's where he struggles. I don't know. But, um, like I said, Jimenez could have thrown to first base, gotten the out, and then the next instead of the next ball being a sack fly that wins the, that tie, takes the lead, it's out number three, and you're going to the bottom of the ninth inning, tied 4-4. So he could have gone the safe route. I guess he was hoping to, and like Tito said, if he makes that play at home, everyone's somehow how it saved the game. I don't know. It's, you know, darned if you do, darned if you don't, to keep it, you know, PG on here. But I, you know, I guess sometimes playing it safe, you got you to gotta make the right fundamental play when you're – Yes. Because when you make the wrong fundamental play with the way this team is going – everything is more magnified and, and the struggles hurt a little more. Yes. It's totally one of those things where if they, if he makes that throw at home and he nails it, they win the game and right. it's a Maybe. nice well, easy yeah, situation. And, you know, I get why people are mad. And at the same time, I also look at it as like, you know, it's kind of the same point of them not running. Like, is this one of those situations where maybe he forces the throw because of their struggles? Like, is he like, so, like how much of is everything weighing down on this team or not? Um, and if it is, is that affecting sometimes that thought choice? And again, you have a gold glove second baseman who's got a cannon arm. You kind of expect him to be able to make that play. It, it goes sideways, but I, I would like to see them. I, I don't have a problem with that attempt from a guy like him. And sometimes you get lucky. Sometimes you don't. I also would put him in fine going to first. Um, I, I had a hard time getting two ticked off it was a bad throw don't get me wrong it was a terrible throw uh, but 
at least I could understand why it wasn't a situation like, unlike when he dives into first base, when I, I have no idea why, um, not that that happened this weekend, but you know, thankfully. Yeah. Uh, really quickly, your, your three stars of the weekend. Let's see. Josh Naylor, Josh Naylor, Josh Naylor, Tanner Bybee, right? More or less. It's, you know, you look at these games and yeah, I mean, Bybee and Naylor have to be it. And then I was just kind of like, you know, I, I kind of feel like it's got to be Jose. Um, his, ER, his ERA, he doesn't have an ERA. His OPS entering this weekend was below 800. It was like 780 something. It's up to 821. He's got the 25th best OPS in baseball after the end of this series. So even though he's maybe not as as sexy as some of the other guys are for a choice for this one, uh, because he didn't have the home run, you know, Jimenez also had a home run for uh, the next day. Uh, he just got on base and he found ways. It's like uh, he had a hit and a walk on Sunday in the Saturday game. He had two hits. One of them, I believe, was a double. And then in the Friday loss, he... Um, he reached base with two hits and a walk. And then today, uh, I actually forgot to, I left off the intentional walk. So he reached base, I think three times in every game. So yeah, Jose. Hey, that's a Naylor, Jose and, and, uh, Tanner. And Issa sure, is, yes. Yes. All right. Uh, to the kitchen catching situation a little bit, confidence meter, some quotes about game times and the division rival loses a player to Tommy John in just a second. No game Monday, but don't forget Tuesday night, 8-10, first pitch at Chicago. Check out Tom Hamilton and the crew on Sirius XM if you're listening to the game. <sighs> Jeff, it is it is getting rough behind home plate. Uh, someone pointed this out to me on Twitter after I tweeted some stuff about Bo Naylor on, on Saturday because Bo Naylor had a great weekend, and we'll talk about him a little bit. The Guardians have not had a hit from their catcher since April 29th. That was Mike Zanino's go-ahead RBI double in the uh, the Boston game that Saturday. Since that game, Mike Zanino's 0 for 23. Cam Gallagher is 0 for 31. Cam Gallagher only has two hits all season long, actually. So um, I guess this is what you said. I don't know. Maybe we – I know we talked a lot about the positives of Zanino over the offseason and – Maybe we overlooked some things. I, I guess it was hard to know what to expect. Maybe I feel like we mentioned, you know, we don't know what it's going to look like when he returns from the surgery because it's a complicated situation. Is this, the, is this the result of the, of the surgery or is this just who he is? Both. I mean, this is who he is to a degree. I think the surgery has definitely made it rough. I mean, he didn't play baseball for like a year, essentially. Very limited a year ago, but he has always been streaky. I remember when he was this team's best hitter for the first month. Now he's their worst hitter. And also point right. out, though, like for all of his issues, still fifth on this team in OPS versus lefties. You know, the he hits lefties well, better than than Jose, <laughs> better than Jose Ramirez does right now. Um, I'm sure that's going to, you know, that could totally uh, start to sink even more. But that's they brought him in to hit lefties. He's still. I mean, he's not necessarily have doesn't have a high batting average, but he's at least being productive on. Well, the we know the that air. was never going to happen. Batting average yes. was not a thing we were ever, no. you were ever going to boast. But, but he had two sixteen in twenty twenty one. We had that great year, but yeah. it was the five fifty nine slugging percentage you looked at, and you were like, okay, thirty three home runs. Yeah. That's that's what you want out of him. And the defense is definitely a mess. But you just said he plays against lefties very well. Does this not open up an opportunity for a platoon with Bo Naylor? Like if if Zanino can hit lefties just fine. 
how do you not find time for a split between him and Bo Naylor? I know I don't I'm not saying you would strictly play Naylor or Zanito against lefties, but you know, if because I know the Guardians just face a stretch of lefties that's been ridiculous, but they are seeing a lot of lefties out of the bullpen because teams know they can't hit them. But how do you not see a natural platoon here? Like you can easily ease in Naylor to the start of his career. Although Naylor did hit two home runs this weekend off of Andrew Abbott, who has been striking everybody out at double A AA and triple A since the start of the season. And the second one was a 107 mile an hour rocket. But he's a Virginia guy, so we know he's not any good as a pitcher. So. Oh, man. All right. Well, hey, tell that to the Reds. It'll fall apart before it gets to the big leagues. That's that's how it works. <laughs> ask 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 Royals fans how that worked with Daniel Lynch. Well, look, he struck everybody out. He's striking everybody out. No, yeah. Year, so and Naylor hit him. But like you could easily see a world where Naylor plays three days a week and Zanino plays four, and maybe you can even DH Naylor a day, especially if you still have David Fry in the roster, who I guess is still on the roster, even though he is the, he? Are we sure? Did he's he, taking the Mayberry's Valoria rollover. Yeah, I don't know. I, I did not see him this past weekend. I thought maybe he just took a weekend to, to calm down after his first hit. He was just so psyched. Uh, I mean, you, you can, <laughs> but I think a lot of this comes down to uh, they're still going to be in the process of um, making sure that uh, they're, they're going to be. And I know he's on the roster and he's had his time, but that, that's another reason that they might wait for service time. And, and they have always, and I know there's people out there screaming that like service time is not that big of a deal, but like this team has always played very tight with service time and things like this. So uh, I think right now the only thing holding back Bo Naylor is uh, worry about Super Two. I think that's it. I think that's the only reason you don't go to him right now because yeah, Cam Gallagher is fine defensively, but you know he, him and Austin Hedges are battling for the title of who can't hit the baseball the most, and Zanino they're paying a decent chunk of money and he still is at least effective against lefties, which is useful. So I, I don't know. And again, we know this is what he does. He'll probably come back in June and be on fire, but he is back and forth, but it's just a matter of like, th- there isn't a good reason to not. Let's, Great. Let's... So if you face a lefty, then guess what? You can DH David Fry and catch um, Zanino and have Naylor on the bench as security or as a pinch hitter, like boom, figure. No, there yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not arguing with you. I'm just saying the only thing holding him back. Is, I know, I think it sound easy. Time. I and I, I wouldn't say it's just super two either. I will say, I will point out because there are a lot of people who are screaming, you know, the weekend. Why isn't he up? Because I posted about how good his weekend was because he had a really good Saturday night. There's still things that know that they want him to work on, and we don't well, know. Well, he's five of like 38 throwing runners yeah. out this year. So he and I, I promised some people on Twitter that I would go and look back at some video from this year to see why he is having such a hard time throwing runners out because the rules in AAA aren't new. Like this, the, the pitch clock and the the, the disengagement yeah. rule, those have been in, in AAA before this. So it's not like that's new to him. Um, and I want to see like are the pitchers in AAA so bad they're not giving him time to throw to second? I just want to see what's going on because the arm strength is not a question with him. But I mean, maybe that there's part of that there, right? Like maybe he they wanted to throw runners out more because he's struggling. He hasn't had a great year statistically, and last year he was fine at it. So. Um, maybe that's it, but like, I, I, I have, there's a lot more context that goes into that because as we've seen, the pitchers in Cleveland have sandbagged the catchers repeatedly in terms of being able to control the run game because they don't get to the plate or they don't check runners. I mean, it's, it's seriously, next time you're watching a game and you see a runner take off before you say, ah, Zanino or Gallagher can't throw guys out. Look, if the pitcher is even paying attention to the runner, look, if he 
throws over once, see how quick he's going to the plate because and I'm not saying Zanino has been great because he hasn't been defensively. Neither is Gallagher and, and Naylor might have the same problem, but um, just, just look very closely next time at a stolen base and see if the pitcher is giving him any chance. Cause this has been a problem for 99 for Stefan, for class a um, Bieber does a great job with it. He's fantastic. Police has always been great at, it. but see, see which guys are, are, you know, sandbagging the catcher. Cause I, I wonder if that's more of a pitcher issue than it is a catcher. And that's fair. And that is very fair. I think that is definitely one of those things that uh, is underrated is how bad the, the bullpen is at holding guys and many of the stars. That's, that's a big problem because when you let runners on and the, and the bull, uh, runners on that late in the game, and we know 99 has problems when runners get on. We know class a does like it's, it's, it gets, it gets compounded, which, you know, they took advantage of Friday. You want to read the quote about uh, the, the start time of today's game of Sunday's game real quick. Oh, I, I don't know if I still, I listen, I don't have it pulled up currently, but it's just the complaining from the angels. Oh, about how they're you not, promised. I, well, I, you know, I didn't, I, I just like with the mile straw quote, I'll paraphrase basically them complaining, saying it's hard for them to get used to. And it's not fair to have a West Coast team travel and have an early game. And that's an unfair advantage. I, I mean, I get that, that it's unfair, but like, listen, you're dealing with three hour differences all the time. I think they'd be a little bit used to it. And it's not like the Guardians pick what game is flexed out to Peacock. That's the other thing I wanted to bring up, too. I know people were mad about them playing on Peacock. But at the same time, because someone's like, oh, they don't know how to reach their fans. MLB decides when these who and, and these networks decide who gets flexed into these. So the guardians have very little control over this. And I will say for the angels sake, like this would be an eight 30, it was an eight 30 start back in LA. So all the, all the families and fans of uh, Patrick Sandoval and Tanner Bybee had to get up pretty early to watch this game. And they were celebrating on mother's day with uh, kegs and eggs watching these two pitch, right? Not you. Um, but yeah, no, it's, Listen, it was it was great to see them. Uh, it was the best possible outcome for me because I have Sandoval on my so rare team. Uh, so uh, they, he pitched great, and the Guardians still picked up a win. So I'm pretty happy at that. They did. Uh, real quickly in passing before we get out of here, Tyler Malley out again, with, or now is out for the season and most of and half of next year probably with Tommy John. So that I believe Kenta Maeda is still in the IL for the Twins, right? I He's hurt think too. so. Last time I checked. Although they won, I know they won big today against the Cubs, but uh, you know, Twins are slowly losing some pitchers to injury. So something to keep an eye on. They don't see the twins again though, until um, June. So you got the whole month to go and we'll see what happens with the white Sox. The white Sox haven't announced any starters real quickly. We'll talk about this more tomorrow. But I'll just tease it for now. Um, I'll ask Jeff tomorrow as well. I asked you on Twitter. We got a, a good solid amount of votes here. Um, confidence meter and the guardians starting to turn this thing around and look like they should look after a five and four homestand. They won two out of three series. I broke it up into, you know, one being the least confident, 10 being the most confident that they're going to start. They're starting to move in the right direction. And uh, 74% of the votes said five to seven. So they're they're right in the middle. A lot of even keel people, I would say. We had a couple of votes for uh, eight to 10, which is surprising. 18% said one to four. They're not very confident that this is it. I, th- I think probably those people need to see more. But we can uh, get into that more on Tuesday's show, along with the uh, preview of the series against the, the White Sox. Yeah, and uh, I did a pod- – I think I might have mentioned this. I did a podcast with a uh, Crystal uh, Chicago White Sox podcaster. I will – between that out on Tuesday, we had a just fun, even kill talk. Uh, if you want to talk about fan bases that are really depressed and have a bad feeling about their mm. team, it is the Chicago White Sox right now. Yeah, check on your friends who are White Sox fans. They are not okay. Like, there were people who were like – I think even our own 
locked on White Sox host, uh, Nick was like, uh, they wanted the team to, to tank and just blow up because they're like, at least that way the guys will get fired and they can start over and maybe guys, they can try something new. Like they feel like if they continue the same direction, things being mediocre, that nothing will ever change and get better. So like they're rooting for their own team to crash and burn. That's never, never a good sign. And, you know, I feel bad for Nick and those guys, even though as a guardians, as a guardians fan base, we should not because uh, the guardians need all the help they can get within the division. Yeah, it's and hey, they're the only medium mediocre uh, offense in the division right now. So there's there is that, but uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk about them tomorrow. So we'll, yeah. we'll do that. Uh, remember, this is where I tell you to rate and review, subscribe, comment. Uh, you know, get a friend to listen, all that fun stuff. Uh, remember to do your routines uh over that uh, help us to the downloads da- daily downloads those uh clicking the thumbs up leaving comments uh thank you for being a part of the lockdown guardians team thank you to our everydayers i noticed uh one of our everydayers uh john fagan is a is a fellow teacher as is aaron uh or no is aaron i think aaron might be a teacher as well uh who's our virginia fan who will enjoy me making fun of virginia on the show uh so thank you to our we just last week was teacher appreciation week so any of you oh, others yeah, who, are, who are teachers like myself um, uh, you know, make sure to comment below so we can give you a shout out specifically amongst those everydayers who are teachers uh, as they count down towards the end of the school year. Uh, right now, I'm sure many are, but uh, thank you for all you do and go, go, Guardians, go. Let's happy Mother's win. Day, too. Yeah, happy Mother's Day. Yeah, <laughs> more importantly, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Uh, if you're a mother, comment below. We don't get a lot of ladies, I'll, I'll be honest. Not, not as many ladies in the comments. <laughs> it's, it looks... It looks like my quiz bowl teams when I was in high school uh, there. So go, you know, let us know. I'm getting married, so it's fine. But if you're if you're a lady who listens, you know, happy Mother's Day. Yes. Or happy mothers of all the people who do listen. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers, people with mothers who do listen. Uh, Happy Mother's Day to Betty Enright, right? That's her her first day. This is yes. Yes. Maybe the one mother who probably listens. Our official mother Uh, of the podcast, yeah. Official mother of the podcast. But uh, thank you to her. And we hope that Nick shoves all year in the best possible way. But uh, go, go, Guardians, go.